Welcome to the third season of the For Jesus podcast. I'm your host, Jeffrey Wilcox, and one of the lay elders here at Redemption Church Gateway. This season, we're going to talk about work, careers, taking our faith into the marketplace, and some practical advice. This episode is about the medical profession. According to the U.S. Census report, there are over 900,000 businesses in the healthcare and social assistance sector, which is more than any other industry, such as retail, hospitality, and food service. Healthcare was also one of, if not the most impacted by the global pandemic. There are over 22 million workers in the healthcare industry, one of the fastest and largest growing sectors in the United States that accounts for 14% of all U.S. workers. Today, we're going to be talking to two of them. I'm excited to be talking to Rachel Yasuda and Taylor Schrader. Thank you both for your time today. Yes, thank you. Thank you. All right. Um, Taylor, let's start with you. A bit of background, bit of background. Tell us about your family, what kind of work you do, and how long have you been attending Redemption Church Gateway? All right. Um, I have three girls. Um, I'm married to a wonderful husband, um, Chris, for about 10 years now. And three girls. I have Haley, who's eight, Sadie, who's six, and then Ellie, who's three. So they keep me busy and on my toes. Um, And then also I've been in the medical field. I've been a registered nurse for 10 years now. Um, I've been all through the hospital, so I've done a little bit of everything. But most currently, I've been in the emergency room for the last three and a half years. Um, And it's been quite a wild ride with everything going on. But um, we also have been attending Redemption for about five years. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, Rachel? My name is Rachel. Yes, I have a husband, Joshua. You guys know him. Uh, he, 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 he might work here. He might work here um, <laughs> someday. We have two daughters, uh, a three and a half year old and an almost two year old. So two daughters as well, Autumn and Elliot. We call her Ellie as well. They are super fun, full of energy. Um, they're awesome. We've been here at Gateway for, I believe, coming up on 10 months. We were at Gilbert before that for about five years. Um, I am a physician assistant. I was trying to figure out actually how long I've been a PA and I think I'm coming up on my seventh year. So, um, I worked in neurology for a few years and then, um, currently working in oncology. So with cancer patients on the inpatient side. So, um, hospital setting. Mm. How much schooling did both of you do? Like how many years? Um, I went ahead right through ASU. So I got my bachelor's in nursing. So it was probably about a total of, you know, four years, like a bachelor's degree. Um, and then right after you graduate with your degree, you'll take your nursing boards and then you're ready to fly. Nice. I know Josh will be listening. So go Sun Devils. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, I, my undergrad is uh, from ASU. So I have a bachelor's, um, in biochemistry, don't ask me to do any of that anymore. Um, and then I um, applied to PA school. So it's a, it's a master's program in most most settings. So it's about three years. And then um, you can take your boards after that and jump mm. right in. So did you both know at an early age you wanted to go into the medical field? Or was it something that was like high school? Like tell us a little bit about kind of that when that spark happened. Yeah. I think I really, this is so corny. But I truly did always want to be in medicine. Um, I didn't exactly know what I wanted to do, but I really, really always thought I'd be there. Mm-hmm. Um, the journey definitely changed. God had kind of opened and closed doors for sure. Um, and so 
I had no idea what a PA was, so I always thought I would be going to medical school. Um, and it wasn't until kind of in my undergrad that somebody brought the idea of, do we, do, have you heard of a PA? And so um, kind of found that um, to be a perfect fit, actually. And so um, that changed my course a little bit, and I, I wanted to do PA school. Wow, yeah. wonderful. Taylor? That's pretty cool. Um, I... I know this is going to sound corny too, because I kind of always wanted to be in like the medical field too. But with, um, through high school, we had this um, volunteer program. And so if you got a certain amount of hours, you got a special seal on your certificate. So I volunteered at one of the major hospital systems here for like two years and, um, just doing lots of different things in the hospital. And I was like, this is it. This is where I want to be. Like, I just like the environment of it. Um, so I started, you know, going my undergrad, just doing like the medical classes, biology, all those kind of things. And I really just kind of felt God was pulling me towards more bedside care. And I just felt that like nursing, mm. you really have that. Um, you get to see lots of um, people, you know, at their best and their worst. And just that whole environment was just kind of where I wanted to be. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess it kind of same thing. I always knew I wanted to do medical, not really sure. Cause there's so many different avenues with it. Um, but I knew with nursing, it open it could open so many doors, whether I wanted to stay bedside forever or be into some kind of clinics or, you know, management type roles. So the See, opportunities and, are endless. And you're an ER nurse now. Kurt, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah. what's, I guess, what's the biggest difference besides the chaos and, and the emergency or like the urgency of medical care mm -hmm. for ER, but what, yeah. what are kind of like the big difference between kind of, uh, a regular shift nurse in more of the, uh, in the rooms and, and, you know, care versus an yeah. ER nurse. Yeah. So I started being just like a hospital inpatient nurse, you know, the ER it's, you're, you're stabilizing the patient you don't know what's coming in. You have to be prepared for anything and everything. And so it's kind of like you have, you've got to be on all the time because you just don't know what's walking through that door. And mm. it could be, you know, people could come in for simple things. Like I just need an x-ray of my finger, you know, or my arm broke, you know, just minor things that, you know, still require, you know, attention. So it's not, whereas in the inpatient floors you're doing, you know, taking care of the patient as like a whole. So like they're getting medications all day long. It's kind of like an ongoing process. Whereas ER visits can be, I mean, they're lengthy. Don't get me wrong because sometimes you have to wait a while. But no, that's not true. <laughs> right? It's, it's, it's in and I've out. I've never heard that before. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so it's kind of, um, I'm trying to go where my train of thought was going, but it's, it's, we're ruling out like the scary stuff in the emergency mm. room. So we're going to do like, the big things to make sure that if we sent you home today, you would be okay. So it's a lot more quick work. work. We all come in at like, you know, usually if we're, um, you know, if it's not super busy, but we'll all come in at one time, we'll get the blood work. We'll get things moving quickly so that, you know, hopefully we can figure out what's going on. But you know, sometimes people don't go home with the answers and that's frustrating too, but we just rule out the scary stuff we try to tell people and mm. then they can follow up with their primary or any other specialists that need to go. So it's just a lot more quick paced. Um, so it's kind of 
you got to be a little bit of an adrenaline junkie because you just got to be moving and doing like 10 different things at one time. Yeah. So. I like that description, rule out the scary mm-hmm. or treat the scary. Treat the scary. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. So Rachel, what does your day look like? And and what type of patients, if people are unfamiliar with oncology? So oncology is a very broad term. So, you know, within that, there are different types of cancers. Um I focus specifically on blood cancers. So typically like leukemias are the main thing that I treat. So, um, you know, my day on the inpatient setting is kind of a mixture. Half of my patients are there just to come in for their chemotherapy and they get that and they go home. There's a certain number of my patients that are there because they're there for a stem cell transplant, which is kind of the other side of how you treat um, certain blood cancers and other um, malignancies. And then there's like a portion of my patients that have a a little bit different story. Maybe they came to the ER um, for kind of just vague complaints and they saw that their labs were abnormal Mm. and that they needed to get a specialist involved, i.e. me. Um, because it looked like they might have something called leukemia. And so that's where, you know, someone comes in and they don't really know what's wrong or something's been going on for for a while and they come in there and then they, their whole life is kind of changed in a moment and they realize they're actually not going home. They have to get admitted and get worked up more. And, and if they do have leukemia, then that means that they have to stay for chemotherapy right immediately. They, they can't leave. Wow. Wow. It's an emergency actually. And so, um, that typically means they're there for about 30 days um, to get their, their chemotherapy, their first round. Mm. So it's pretty shocking, as you can imagine, um, because they think they're just, something's not right, but then they don't think that they are going to stay for three weeks, four weeks. Yeah. Wow. Um, so you're in the lobby at church or you're at a dinner party, you're out somewhere, mm-hmm. and someone learns you know, kind of what you do for a living. What are some typical questions they like to ask you? What's the craziest thing you've seen? (laughs) That's what I get a lot is, you know, you work in emergency room. What's the craziest thing you've seen? Um, So that's probably the big one for me. So I'll turn it around. What's the most boring thing you've ever seen? (laughs) Like, really? You're in the The ER? I know. Um, A 13-year-old who had a swollen finger, like, just like it was very red and the mom wanted to get an x-ray. And it was kind of like probably they came here because, you know, it's just easier than urgent care. But it was it, it to me, it didn't look red. He was able to move it. There was no injury. And it was just like, you know, we treat everyone. So, all right, here you go. Wait. Was it harder to have empathy for that situation compared to something super scary? Yes. Yes. Because I knew that there was a line behind her and I'm looking over at the line and I'm like, these people could be going through something pretty, you know, mm. but I can't talk to them yet because I'm talking to you about your finger that, you know, maybe could have been at an urgent care or, you know, seen by a primary doctor. But that's, yeah, definitely I have to like take a deep breath and just, you know, everybody's here. This is their emergency. And that's kind of how I go about it is like, this may not be a big deal to me, but to this mom and her son, this finger is Mm. important. So that's kind of how that helps me get through the day. Gosh, I love that. This is their emergency. Mm -hmm. It may not be an emergency in real, in in the medical sense. Right. Or most people would see it, but in their minds, Mm -hmm. this is an emergency. Yeah. 
I love that. Yeah. Oh, and that's gosh. so true. That's even, it, yeah. that's something that I try to remind myself mm-hmm. of mm. every day yeah. is because, you know, we get so used to our job and we know what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. We have seen a lot. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of know the steps. We know what to expect. But I try to remind myself that they don't know what to expect. They've never right. done this before. Right. Um, and so everything is massive. Mm-hmm. Um to them and so that's part of our role is to kind of right. assure them mm-hmm. and also just be there and kind of walk them through that and let them know that it's going to be okay right yeah. yeah right so same question to you rachel you're in, in the lobby oh you're a pa <laughs> what's the question what are the questions you get what's that no i'm just what's kidding that? oh what's no a, what's a pa uh no i'm just kidding um <laughs> let me tell you uh, a, a pastry assistant <laughs> yeah, <right? laughs> yeah exactly. some days right <laughs> I, Um, I, you know, that's a good question. I was trying to think, um, I think current questions I get are just, how do you, how do you, um, work in that field? How do you, how do you deal with something that heavy Mm. on a daily basis? I think I get that, asked that probably the most when I, when I mention oncology, Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Well, let's go there. Um, what, what, what is difficult? Like just the emotions, probably some really tough communication, some really, you have to deliver some tough news or um, something happens in the ER that you did not expect or was unfortunate. So tell, I mean, if you don't mind, just go a little bit into some stuff that's rough and, and then kind of how you work through it and how you lean on God. So I think there's probably layers to that question, right? And it is definitely dependent on the specific scenario, Mm -hmm. but, um, typically I think seeing somebody, um, who is getting kind of a diagnosis that's rocking their world, essentially, um, it, it's hard. You have to remember to be, mm, just patient in that moment, not be yeah. rushed. Right. Um, cause you know, I'm, I, I really, I'm very busy. Um, I have a lot of patients, they're all very sick. Um, but it doesn't matter. Everyone kind of, they matter in that moment. And yeah. so it's hard to just, sometimes you have to slow down right. and just kind of don't, don't talk to medical. Um, but also just kind of just take time. I think they really appreciate that when you are just listening. taking some time and listening to them. Mm. Letting them process. Sometimes you can just kind of see it in their eyes when they got some news that's not great. And they're just like looking at you and you're like, you okay? Like, you know what? Like, you know, just giving them a moment to just kind of breathe and process and then, you know, see kind of where they're at. And that's kind of, you know, hard because you have so many people to see and so many things to do that, you know, that's tough. And some people don't have the same support systems as others, so that's really difficult Mm -hmm. to be dealing with something so tough. And maybe you don't have people close to you who can support you and and be with you, or maybe you don't have a great life, home life, or um, some people don't even have a place to live. So, Mm -hmm. you know, there's real-world things that they're dealing with, too. Mm -hmm. Their jobs, their kids, their spouses and so all, it, all of those things get touched by this so um it's it's more than just like the medical like let me treat your cancer there's like s- such a bigger so much more yep wow yeah what are misconceptions people have about your roles 
think about that one. I know some people haven't had great experiences in emergency rooms, so then they automatically know if they're coming in, they're going to get a bad experience or somebody mm. that doesn't care or listen to it. And um, don't get me wrong, it can be not great because you can get bad news. You can just have somebody who doesn't want to be there. Um, you can have, you know, our lobby can be full, and so getting to people takes time, and that upsets people. Um so I think kind of depends on their past experiences. If they've had a great experience, people are like, you know, they're a lot more willing to be more patient and understanding. Whereas, you know, I've had multiple people sit for an hour and they're like, I'm done. I can't take this. I don't want to sit and wait anymore. And it's mm. trying to explain that to them that like, fortunately, in a good thing, you're, you're not life threatening and illness right now, but there's people in the back that are going through stuff that we have to devote so much time and people and manpower to. Yeah. And so some people aren't able to see that, um, you know, they can't see because they're not in the back, but like, you know, if something serious happens, it takes a lot of us to go and stabilize them or to, you know, do the best by that patient. And that means that people who aren't as sick don't get the care as quick as they would like. Mm. And so I think sometimes people don't understand that. And that's understandable because they don't see it. They don't see that, that we're in this room back here trying to save somebody else's father. Mm. So yeah, that's kind of a big thing for us in the ER. And I think too, when, until you're in, maybe in a situation where you have to be the one receiving care or on the other side, I, I don't think people understand, or maybe they do, mm -hmm. how many resources it really takes. Um, mm -hmm. And it really does take a good team um, to be able to deliver great care to somebody. Mm -hmm. And it's not just one person, not just the physician or the, you know, PA or um, it's, there's really, I mean, I, we depend on each other a lot. Very and, much so. And mm -hmm. typically I'm depending on my nurses to be I mean, they are, they're, they're in it all day and they're the ones who, um, see the first things and bring up the first things and they are really there, um, supporting the, the patient and, but there's so many, um, people who play a role and to make things work well and deliver good care. And I know that people don't always see yeah. that, but they see kind of what's right in front of them, but there's really a lot of people mm. who are yeah. devoting their time to, to take care of you. Yeah. Um, so, uh, taking your faith into the marketplace, taking your faith into your, into your role, mm -hmm. um, you know, my day-to-day -day job, uh, I'm not making life or death decisions mm -hmm. or not life and death is on the line for the type of work I do. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, there's obviously challenges that I rely on the Lord to, to give me strength, yeah. especially dealing with teammates and yeah. personalities. <laughs> um, how do you how do you see your faith kind of impacting your work, your mind, your heart kind of through your yeah. your day? For me, that's my faith has really gotten me through this career. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen so many great things happen. I've seen so many terrible things happen. And um, going through it without God and without my support system, I don't know how I could have done it. You know, there's been so many days where I've had to, pull myself together and be around a corner and just say a quick prayer and be like, God, please give me, you know, the strength to do the best I can for these people. Because 
sometimes they're yelling at you and they're influenced by other substances and you know that's not the person they are. Um, so you try not to take it personally, but, you know, things happen and, um, and yeah, so it's just, it's, it can be a very heavy feeling of dealing with, you know, people that don't care, you know, that don't, you know, treat you with respect or kindness and just, um, want to, um, you know, get what they want. And that's, it's all that tunnel vision. Like we kind of talked about, they don't see the bigger picture, but, um, but yeah, with, without my faith, without prayer, without God giving me the strength to get up and go every day, especially during, um, the COVID surges, like it was something I've never seen in my career before with the amount of patients that were coming in and how sick they were. Um, there were days that I was just, I literally would pray my whole 15 minutes to work and be like, I physically don't want to be here, but I know, you know, I know this is what you're calling me to do, but I don't want to (laughs) go because it was just always, you know, it was just, there was just so much sadness and so much heaviness. And that was just, it was just hard to process. And kind of like what you were saying with, um, people and not being able to see the big, you know, the other side of the picture, but you know, coping mechanisms, like not, you know, coping mechanisms are just a lot of people aren't able to have healthy coping mechanisms. And so I feel like, um, being able to have God and have faith and just be able to rely on that reading scriptures and stuff to give me strength, to give me guidance on how I can best, um, treat these people has been a huge lifesaver, you know, for me. Mm, So especially, yeah, during these last two years. And I love what you said, just knowing that you were called to be there, right? And and that's, I think, in anyone's vocation, whether it's paid or unpaid, but where you are daily, I think to get through those days and those moments, that's definitely something that I remind myself. And I, you know, have to say, okay, I know God has placed me here. Mm-hmm. I know this is that I'm here because he, he put me here. And so God would what do you have for me? What, how can I love this person in this moment? Um, how can I, um, just show your light to them in this moment? And so it's hard. Mm -hmm. It's very hard and it doesn't take a, take away from you as a person and you having to learn how to deal with those things. And, um, um, but you know, it does help me to try to just remind myself like, okay, God has me here. So what can, what, what is he showing me? What can I show to others? And, um, how can I be used for him? Yeah. And like with him, you can do anything. And so there are days where I sit back and I look at the situation I had and I'm like, I don't know how I did that. Like, I just don't know. Like I, other than the explanation of just God was there with me, he was there with me telling, giving me like, this is what you need to do. You can do this. And, you know, being there for that person in that time of their life. So, yeah, this might, this might be a difficult question and and go as shallow or deep as you want, Mm -hmm. but, um, are there inherent decisions or aspects of your role that really challenge your faith or your integrity um, but, but is almost, I wouldn't say required, but something that you have to face and decisions that you have to make left or right. Mm-hmm. I, hmm. 
hard one. That is a hard one. I, I, think, I don't think I emailed that one to you. I know. Gosh. <laughs> Goodness. <laughs> Wasn't prepared for that. Okay. Uh, I mean, for sure, there's definitely just the busyness of the day. And so when it comes to hurried, hurried, hurriedness, hurriedness, I don't know. I'll Google that later. Sorry. Um, (laughs) just, you know, feeling like there's constantly things to do, things that need to be done, feeling hurried, I guess. And also just the realities of there are certain things that I have to do, um, in order to leave at a decent hour. And so I can't always, spend an hour with every single person. Mm. Um, and so that's hard because that's not really what I would like to do. I mean, I would love to be able to really spend as much time as possible with everyone, but so that's kind of a challenge. I don't know if that's exactly what you were asking, but I think there's just this balance of like, there are things that need to be done tasks that we have to do, but then there's caring for a real person. And so I try to just, you know, ask God to show me those moments where I just need to take a little extra time and be okay with leaving a little bit late, even though, you know, yes, I have two little kiddos at home and I'd like to go home. Well, (laughs) I I know both of you work 40 hours a week, right? And that, isn't that about the the average for you both? I'm, I'm part-time. So I work two 12 hour shifts. Okay. So 24 hours a week. I yeah. don't want to say how many hours a week I work. <laughs> You're probably <laughs> a lot. Full time. Too many. Full time. Well, Salary. So they yeah. don't count the hours. Oh, dang uh, it. So part, part of the, I, I think, maybe I'll, I'll share a little more of the, the context of what I was thinking is um, you have um, maybe pressure from the hospital or the clinic uh, yes. insurance or things, you know, you may be asked mm-hmm. to do something by a doctor or a colleague yeah. that, you know, you know like, mm, Yep, that's not right. Yeah, I see that a lot with um, with insurances and hospitals. So um, obviously, I don't know the whole how hospitals get paid and all that kind of stuff. That's not my thing. But I know that they really pressure us to really crank people in and out. So sometimes I feel like little things like you were saying, just treating people as a person can get pushed aside because it's like, let's get them their x-ray, move on. Like, let's do this and move on. Like, we need to get more people through. We need to get more people through. And I think that for me is hard because sometimes you could be missing something or, you know, it's just like, I know we're just treating the current problem, but we found this like, and so you're just going to send them off to figure that out with their another doc. So I think I struggle with that sometimes. And then also, um, insurance can kind of dictate whether a patient can be admitted or not. Um, and so they have like this list of like, you can be admitted if X, Y, Z happens. And, um, sometimes, you know, healthcare is, it's not black and white. Their lines are very blurry sometimes. Yeah. They may have a little bit of this, but if you actually look at the patient and see that they're not looking great, like we can't send them home like this, mm-hmm. but because of how everything gets dictated, like on a piece of paper, I think sometimes the patient, the person itself can just get kind of pushed aside. And I think that's kind of hard to process sometimes you know because you're like they're just not you can do what you say you know like hey doc look at this patient like they don't look great Mm. you know but looks don't you know can't put that on piece of paper you know sometimes so you know sometimes they can find ways to make it work but sometimes they can't and so the insurance company won't go, oh, oh, he didn't look great. Right. I guess we'll admit him. Right, right, because they're not seeing him. They're just seeing like, oh, okay, well, his paper, labs yeah. look great. Yeah. You know, this x-ray was normal. Like, he's fine. You know, go home. But they're like, there's more. There's more to it. Yeah. You know, they're 
So that's a struggle for me. Do your colleagues know that you, you guys are believers? I think some of them do. Some of them. Yeah. No one's, it's not talked a lot about, you know, they're always just like, you're just so nice. Like, wow, you take such good care of your patients. And, you know, it's those kind of things. But no one ever, like, asks, you know, like, you know, are, you know, because a lot of my, how I practice is how I would think that Jesus would want me to practice. So, like, yeah, I could go in and just give meds and move on. But, like, they're cold. Like, let's give them a blanket and treat them like a person. Mm. And just, like, you know, back to the childhood thing of, like, what would Jesus do? Like, Jesus would want me to get them a pillow because they're uncomfortable. You know, it's just those little extra steps that I feel like can really make a difference and just how I know God would want me to work, you know, for others. So, yeah, I would say... I don't want to say 50-50, but some, some probably do and some probably don't even think about it. I don't know. Um, I mean, if I tell, if they ask where my husband works and I say he works at a church, then maybe, maybe that might hint to it. But um, yeah, I, I guess that's true. I didn't realize most people when they go into healthcare, they don't realize how much of the politics and also just how much of your um, care plan can actually be dictated by what the insurances say mm. is what dictates, you know, so um, it's not my favorite, but yeah. Yeah. Have you guys ever prayed with a, a patient? Yes, I have. It was such a cool experience, um, like a quick little story, but I had a patient who was, um, had some respiratory distress and they were actually going to go home on hospice. And at the time they didn't have um, any family at the bedside and they were pretty much out of it. She couldn't really talk and everything. We were just trying to keep her comfortable, but we were waiting for the hospice company to come pick her up. And um, there were, I know her son was really trying to get here. It didn't look like she was going to make it too far. Um, but I just, I just felt compelled, like, you know, to pray with her and just be like, I can't imagine the situation she must be in, you know, to be alone and, you know, kind of like it was crazy day. So I couldn't just sit there with her for a long time. And I just took her hand and I prayed and I sang in the best voice I could amazing grace. Cause that to me just brings me comfort and whether she heard it or not, like I said, she was kind of in and out, but, um, we prayed and I just kind of sat there with her, got her comfortable. Her son made it to the room and I kid you not, she opened her eyes and she was able to converse with him for about 20 minutes and they just talked and she was laughing. I had to like do a second thought when um, my tech came in and was like, hey, the patient in room so-and-so asked for a drink of water. And I'm like, what? Like she hasn't been talking at all. Like how could she ask for a drink of water? And I go in there and she's sitting up and she's talking to her son. And they talked for about 30 minutes. The hospice company was, you know, going to be there within the hour. And within that hour, she started to kind of decompensate again. And by the time she was being wheeled out, like she was kind of back in that state of, you know, kind of out of it. And just, you know, she had that little moment of like that one more moment to spend with her family. And then I think um, I did was actually able to follow up and she passed away pretty quickly after she got there. So I just was like, Oh my gosh, you know, like I could have just been like, you know, it's fine. Like, you know, tuck her in and then move on to my next thing. But I just felt like listening to the voice that God was telling me, you know, to just pray with her and just be with her. And, you know, that was just such an impactful time in my career. I'll never forget that. Cause I was just so like, blown away. <laughs> oh, thank you for sharing. Yeah. Yeah. And such a privilege, right? I mean, that's yeah. something where really a lot of what I do and I just feel like it, it is really a privilege to mm -hmm. get to be with people and mm -hmm. 
um, try to help them. Mm. Yeah, it is. So do Sabbath well? Do you Sabbath well? (laughs) Are you able to take a day and just decompress, worship, eat, do something fun, something to take your mind off it, just to find rest? Trying to be better about that. Because I feel like sometimes, you know, even though it's shift work, I can bring it home with me. And then it just carries over into the next day of being short with my children and my husband. Mm-hmm. And then I'm not really dealing with the emotion that I dealt with before. Um, what hours do you work? So I work 11 to 11.30. You only work half an hour? Half an hour. What? <laughs> you know, it's Why so you, nice. You should, be, you should be well rested. Best job ever, right? <laughs> No, it's those 12 and a half hour shifts, um, 11 in the morning to 1130 at night. So, um, it's, yeah, it, it works great for my family. That's another perk about nursing is that there's so many different options in the emergency room. We have nurses coming in at 7am, 9am, 11, 1, 3, then they work their 12 hour shifts and, you know, I've worked full time. So that's three 12 hour shifts a week and I've worked part time or currently two 12 hour shifts a week. So Mm. It's nice for a lot of different reasons. Um, but yeah, I think, I think during, um, during COVID I didn't, my rest, I went through the whole Avengers movie series from start to finish (laughs) because I needed to just numb out and it probably wasn't the best use of my time, but I would get home from these shifts and I just, I didn't want to talk to anybody. I just would put something on that would take me out and just, you know, kind of pull me away from the situation going on. So, but I've learned that that probably wasn't the greatest. So I'm trying to find some good podcasts to listen to, just some kind of, I'll listen to worship music on my way home. Um, Carrie Underwood has a really great gospel album out right now, and it's really just beautiful. So I've really kind of liked listening to that when I come home. Nice. Mm -hmm. Really quick. Favorite yes. uh, Avenger movie, like uh, top of the list? I really liked Endgame. Like, I just oh, felt okay. like the closure was there. I liked it. Nice. I liked seeing all work together and just accomplishing the task. Like, I love that. I knew some people who were listening would say, oh, you got to ask her what's her favorite Avenger yes, game. Yes, so, I know. That Avenger was it. movie, yeah. Black, Black Panther 2 was really good. Yeah. That was pretty good, now. So, Rachel, do you Sabbath well? Probably No. <laughs> if I'm just being honest, probably no. Yeah. Um, I, I we, don't. We know. do like honesty here. Uh, yeah, so, right. Yeah. Um, I don't. Uh, it's very hard. I think part of it is, like, when I leave, I'm still thinking about my patients. So, I, it's I'm learning. God is teaching me um, through my stages in life. Right when pre kid, maybe it wasn't um, as big of a deal, I guess, or mm-hmm. however you want to say it. Um, but now, you know, I have I do have two little kiddos who require a lot of attention and energy and a husband who, you know, wants me to be awake and (laughs) not always logging on to work or doing things for work too. Right. So, and he's, they're both, they're all very wonderful actually about giving, um, me grace with that, but it's something that I've had to learn, um, a balance with, I'm still learning. Mm -hmm. Um, and there are times where, um, I'm probably a little better, at doing that and times when I'm not good at all, um, at doing that. Mm -hmm. So we try to, um, when I'm off, I do try, um, to at least take one or two days where I'm trying not to be logging on or doing Mm -hmm. things. It's been a little bit different. I took this kind of uh, manager type role this past year. And so that part has been another kind of 
layer to this is just I have kind of a large team. I don't know. We have, there's about 11, 12 of us. So, you know, when they have things that are going on with them, I I do kind of need to attend to them, even if it's my quote unquote off day. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's been also a new thing that I'm trying to juggle a little bit. Yeah. So imagine someone who, well, let's probably because you both had your kind of discovered that you wanted to be in medicine from an early age, but let's imagine someone in maybe high school or early college and they're thinking about going into the medical field. Um, What's like your top two or three things that you would give as advice in terms of helping them understand what they're signing up for? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Or going into debt for. Right. Oh, no. (laughs) It's true. Um, I, I would say if you are interested in being hands-on bedside, I think finding some kind of position in a hospital or in kind of a setting that you're interested in, um, whether it's being a transporter in the hospital or whether it's, um, doing, you know, housekeeping or just any kind of way into a hospital system, if that's kind of what you want, just to see what it's like, because it's just, it's different. You may have been in there as a patient before, but actually seeing, you know, the flow of things and, you know, if it's really for you, I think is really, is, um, would be, is a great advice. I've seen lots of nurses come out of school with no healthcare experience, which is totally fine too. Um, but I feel like the transition to people who are kind of familiar with the hospital setting, um, I think it's just a little easier, just, you know, it just kind of helps give them a little bit of an edge on kind of what they're expecting. Mm. So I agree. Definitely. I always tell people just to get exposure, Mm -hmm. um, however they can to whatever they are thinking. There's like she had said in the beginning, um, there's really so healthcare, like, I mean, so many areas you could get involved in and what that could look like, but just jump in somewhere and really kind of find someone who will let you shadow them or find some role um, where you can get some kind of actual firsthand um, experience and really see what those people are doing that you're thinking, whichever career you're thinking of, because um, it, it's not always exactly what's built up in your mind. And right. there's also a lot of things that are, not very, um, they're not always on scrubs or whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not the, the glam, <laughs> glam. Mm-hmm. Uh, thing. There was definitely a lot of really cool, awesome things. Um, right. but there's also some other things too, that I think it's good if you can do it beforehand and get exposure. It's really, it's really good. Mm. Right. I agree. So I'm assuming you've probably had some f- former colleagues that maybe struggled in their career and I'm assuming some of it might have to do with they just didn't understand. They didn't know what they're what they're getting into, the hours, um, some of the situations they would be involved with. Like, well, what are some other areas that it would be helpful for people to know about? You wear many. You wear many different hats. I mean, I know mm. you touched on that a lot. So it's not just. You know, it's not always just the life-saving stuff that you're doing. Sometimes it's, you know, it's the little things too. It's just making sure they're comfortable, making sure that they maybe have someone to help them to the bathroom or hold their hand when they got bad news. Or it's, there's just so many different things that you do. Like some days when we're short, like I'm cleaning emergency room, like I'm cleaning the rooms. So I'm also, you know, I wear the housekeeper hat sometimes or I'm stocking things. So never there's never just you know it's not always just one certain job you you get to do so many different things 
And so just kind of knowing that, um, you know, it's kind of, you're, you're, you're working in a big team. And I love that because you're always, there'll always be somebody there to just kind of, you have a question, like, don't ever be afraid to ask questions because, you know, you don't ask a question or you don't say something like you listen to your gut and you see that, you know, just something doesn't seem right. I don't know what it is yet, but I just, you know, just you're, you're an investigator. You're, you know, there's just so many different things that you get to be. And, um, I mean, it's a really rewarding career, but can it, it can also be very taxing too. Mm. So. Yeah. And I think it helps if people can really feel good about the things that they're passionate about because, um, it, it's really hard and there's a lot of different things that are difficult. It's not just the direct patient interactions, but there's a lot of other things that are very difficult um, in healthcare and I'm sure any vocation again. Mm-hmm. But so when you remember, you know, why you got into it or re- when, when you really feel passionate about a certain thing, it helps you kind of get a good balance and not be so negative because it's really easy to get negative um, quickly. Um, And there's a lot of people who are very burned out Mm -hmm. in this, in our, at least I'm sure in your field too, especially this past couple of years, but um, in healthcare in general, the burnout, it's just, it's, it's it's there, it's present and you can see it on people's faces. So that gets um, tough. So you, you have to find things that you, actually care about Mm -hmm. and um, remember those things too when it's sometimes a little negative yeah Mm. have you both struggled at points where you're feeling a bit burned out I'm 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 assuming the pandemic but let's say before the pandemic because that's just a big aha but before the pandemic were there any seasons you went through I was like oh boy I'm I don't have much left in the tank yes definitely I mean just you know you have those times where you know, like we kind of touched earlier, it's just some people, they just are, you know, they don't talk to you kindly or they, you know, I've been, you name it, it's happened. I've been, things have been thrown at me. I've been, you know, bit, I've been hit. I've been, you know, yelled at many, many times. I'm sorry, you've been bit? I've been bit. I know. It was not not the greatest part of my life. Hopefully hopefully not a vampire cosplay, something weird like that. I know. It was like It was a kid? It was not a kid. It was like a 90-year-old lady who had a very advanced stage of dementia and was very confused and she just thought that I was out to get her and you know so she just did what she knew and she bit me so (laughs) it happened and so there's days like that that you know I'm like why why do I do this you know because nobody deserves to be bit especially by a you know another human being but um there's just days where I'm just like enough like I just I feel so drained and my cup is empty and I, you know, I know these people aren't doing it personally, but it just feels like every, you know, they're just out to get me sometimes. Like I just, it's just hard to manage the day. Um, But then it kind of goes back to, you know, listening to what God, he, he put me in this role for a reason. He, um, he's guided me to this position in the emergency room the last while. And I've just, I've grown so much as a person, as a daughter of God, in a sense Mm -hmm. of I rely on him more in these tough situations because, um, I, if I didn't have it, I would be negative and bitter and upset at how people treat me. And I, I, you know, I, I get it. Like they're, you know, they're in a really bad spot sometimes in their life and, 
you know, we're the first person that, you know, interacts with them. And um, that can just get really heavy sometimes. And so I think that um, as much as sometimes it's it's just easy to be negative, it's just easy to just be like, oh, like, I don't want to be here. Like, I don't, this person's not nice. Like, well, but I think, um, you know, just going back to, you know, really being strong in my relationship with God has really helped um, me overcome those feelings because I know they're normal. Like I know they're human, but um, you, you don't want to sit in that forever because, you know, it's just not a fun place to be. Yeah. What about you, Rachel? <laughs> Period of kind of burnout and, and how did you kind of come out of it or how did you rely on the Lord through that season? Sometimes I think probably it's more, I just, again, I'm very thankful for my career and where I'm at and the things that I'm able to do and how it allows um, our family to have opportunity to do things. Um, and so I'm, I, I'm really thankful. So I try to just remember though that I am very thankful. Um, and um, there are many people who don't have um, certain opportunities that I have. And also when it comes to certain things, it's trying to remember what are my priorities? Because there are things where, that can easily get pushed down, right? And everyone is busy. Everyone has things going on. And so shifting things that maybe got pushed down and realizing that that's not where I want either my walk with God to be or the time that I spend with my family. Um, I don't want it to be kind of this not great time. And so just kind of reprioritizing re kind of reminding myself those things. But then there are certain things too that I, I know are just for a season. And so I think God allows me, he gives me kind of strength to get through those things when I, I do know that it's just temporary or it's not forever. Or honestly, I, it, I could change if I wanted to, but, and so it just forces me, I guess, to just think about it. If, the, if these are the things I really feel God are calling me to do, then how can I be better about spending time um, kind of re-energizing or resting. It's okay to take some time off and those things that people will be okay without you. Right. <laughs> um, so that's something I've learned or I am learning, I think, is that it's, it's good to take time off away and, and not um, actually even log on or do anything. Yeah. Um, Using that vacation time. I feel like in the last couple of years, I've just been like more like, yes, I'm going to take that extra day because why not? Because I need that rest and that time with your family. And then just, it helps you just kind of rejuvenate for your next day that you have to go in. Yep. And then when you come back and you've had that time off, you can kind of face those maybe grumpy people a little bit um, oh. with a smile on yes, your face. a hundred percent. Because you just so had easier. some time off. Yeah. <laughs> you can endure being bitten. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, no one should endure that. <laughs> So fun, five fun questions. Okay. If you had one magic wand mm -hmm. that you could fix anything about your job, mm -hmm. what would it be? So what, if you had a magic wand, bling, you wave it right over that thing or aspect of your job, what would you fix? That we would be staffed appropriately every shift. That we'd mm. have enough nurses, enough techs to make everything run smooth. Mm, great question or great answer. Yes. Rachel? That's a tough question. I was thinking. I was this thinking. This supposed I, to be a rapid fire question, and I'm taking too long. <laughs> tick, 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 tick. Uh, my, my my question for, or my answer for you was charts. 
Because oh every, every time I come oh. over to see you and Josh to watch the UFC, you're always charting it. And, and I know other people <laughs> in the medical field, they're all they're doing is charting. I'm like, do you do more charts or do you spend more time with patients? That is actually oh. a wonderful answer. I would love Fair. to never have to do paperwork or fill out any kind of anything yeah. like that. Yeah. Just go in, tell people what we're doing. <laughs> And leave. <laughs> and leave. And go get some tacos. And just know yeah. that it's going to be done. Yes. Somebody Check. will take care of yeah. it. <laughs> All right. That. The Lord blesses you both with, mm-hmm. well, each of you, with $10 million. Mm-hmm. Um, what is some other work that you would do? Oh, my gosh. Would you do the same thing or would you do do something different? So I always kind of joke slash not joke with, with Josh that I would love to be a barista at Starbucks. I I just think it's they always seem like they're loving life. I mean, most of the time and the, and I would love it. Make drinks. You still get some people interaction, but it's not so heavy serious all the time. They're in and out really quick. Yes. Yes. You could be like, "What are you doing today?" Yeah, yeah. And then they go, "I would love it." Well, you know why they're happy. <laughs> They're heavily caffeinated. Because they get like free drinks during their shift. Yeah. I mean. They move fast and they got a yeah. smile on their face for a That's reason. That's right. I mean, I would like to enjoy the perks of that job as well. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. America's number one uh, <laughs> performance enhancing right? drug. Caffeine. Yes. Taylor, what about you? Um, Lord bless you with $10 million. $10 million. Would you do the same thing or would you do uh, something different? I... I would probably, I love to travel. I love to see the difference of, you know, different cultures and different places. Like I would just take that 10 million, probably just travel and just go on different. I would love my bucket list is to take the kids and just drive around Ireland one, Mm. you know, for a family vacation one time, just get like an RV and just drive around and just see, you know, I don't, I just love going different places and exploring. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I would, that would probably be what I would want to do. I could be one of those, um, you know, what do they call them? Like the Instagram people that take pictures of traveling. Social media influencer. Make millions of dollars posting pictures. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Next fun question. Uh, Do you watch the medical drama TV shows? And if you do, what do you think of them? And do they make you laugh? Oh, guilty. Okay. (laughs) So guilty. So you watch them? I do. I do. I feel like, and I've watched them for a while. So like Grey's Anatomy was like the OG that I've done ever since it came out. Um, They've definitely improved their medical, um, how they do things. Cause you know, surgeons don't necessarily walk their patients or, you know, draw the blood or anything like that. So that just makes me giggle. But um, my husband's probably so sick of listening to me talk like they don't do it like that that's not right like <laughs> that's the wrong rhythm you know so he's he doesn't watch them with me anymore but I just like to watch them because they're just entertaining and fun but yes I think they've definitely come a long way I, I agree they used to not be as accurate but I feel like they've gotten some better information so nice, nice. <laughs> I watched them definitely pre and early PA career um scrubs for sure don't know if that's one I should say, but um, it's, it's funny, <laughs> but one. yeah, not not always appropriate. But yeah, not as much these days. But I do get a little like, okay, that's unrealistic. Right. Um, that's not what happens. Right. We don't just all run in there and um, yeah. But I do, I do enjoy yeah. it. Mm. Yeah. So this might be the same question for or Rachel. You may have the same answer, but uh, if you once you've retired 
what's your favorite kind of retirement job besides maybe barista, but Mm -hmm. you stop taking a full-time paycheck, Mm -hmm. but you still want to kind of work. Is there something else that you'd want to do? I mean, hopefully there will be, I mean, if I have to be still using my medical skills, then hopefully there could be some areas where I could just kind of go um, participate in those things and not have to worry about if I'm getting paid for it or not. So Mm. maybe just more giving of my time in that way. Um, Are there service opportunities for for doctors? There are. There are tons. There are. There are really a lot. Um, And so I'd like to probably get more involved in that. Later on. I like that. I've had a couple of coworkers go into like medical missions and stuff Mm. to different countries and um, just, you know, they spend a couple of weeks there helping get just basic clinic stuff. And, you know, I think that would be really cool to to do. So cool. Mm -hmm. All right. Last question. So what is the number one quality or value that a person can bring to any job? What's the number one quality or value? they can bring to any job. I really, um, I like empathy. Mm. I think that sometimes we don't, we don't know what's going on in the person's life or in their head or anything like that, but just kind of being an understanding of like, you know, they're human being, they've got something going on. It may not be big to you, but it's big to them. Um, and I think if you can just kind of be empathetic towards their situation or just, towards you know certain instances I think it would just you know you wouldn't get maybe so worked up in yourself when if they're um you know not able to communicate clearly like what's going on like I just think just giving them grace like just giving them a couple seconds to just be able to process what's going on I think just being empathetic towards people's situations I think can go a long way I love that yeah Rachel I really appreciate and and value when someone is just willing, um, willing to do what needs to be done, willing to step in, not um, whether or not their job title. Clean the ER. Yeah, yeah I mean, seriously, there's <laughs> so much that um, if someone is just willing to do it, it really makes a big impact. Um, and, and that can, I think, translate in, into any place um, because there's so many people that get caught up in their job title, or I'm not paid to do that, or that's not my job. Um, and that really is tough. Um, and so when you have someone who's willing um, to kind of step in, if things are needing to be um, done, it, it goes a long way. Yeah. I love, yeah. I like that. Yeah. It's great. I'm going to throw in a, throw in a bonus question. This might, doesn't need to be as short, but um, how do you see the medical profession or healthcare changing in the next five to 10 years. And some of that may have really ramped up during COVID. So in terms of technology or like the Mm -hmm. telemedicine thing, I thought was really interesting. I did that once during COVID and it was actually a great experience, but like, what do you, what do you see changing in the next five to 10 years in your industry? We really utilize the telemedicine thing mm-hmm. a lot in our with our patient population. We were trying to limit their exposure to just yeah. coming out in the community, and so that was something that all of our outpatient providers um, really got behind and um, had a little bit of a learning curve, I'm sure, but um, it was really useful, I think, for our patients who um, 
we were trying to keep safe. And so I don't see that necessarily going away. Yeah, I think that's big. I think that's huge for people, you know, in your population and just, you know, sometimes mom of little kids too, like getting all the kids out in the car and getting to the doctor's office is quite a task. So I think definitely telemedicine, I think it's going to be even bigger, you know, as times go on. Um, I'm still a big proponent on like, sometimes you just need to go in, like you got to have hands on that, that patient just to see what's really going on. But, um, but I love the, the idea of, you know, keeping those populations like, you know, out of the community if they're, you know, vulnerable for other illnesses, especially with everything going on right now, that it's very, um, yeah, important for them. Thank you, uh, Taylor, Rachel. Thank you so much for um, your work, how you serve our community, uh, your faithfulness to Jesus, your faithfulness to our church. This has been excellent. I could probably do this another half hour with you guys. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you for your vulnerability. Um, But yeah. Um, this is, this is a great thing. Um, thank you for listening. We love you guys. Hopefully this has been encouraging to you and in Jesus name. Amen. Amen.